You're listening to Sacks in the Basement, a production of the Broadcast Basement Limited, where every show is 30 minutes of good and comes from a basement bar on the south side of Chicago. Pull up a stool, pour a cold one, and join us right now for Sacks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SacksInTheBasement.com. Florida comes from WHQG, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. He is on 102.9 The Hog. He is one half of Joe and Borna. They are weekdays on The Hog. Borna, how are you? I'm, I'm doing great, Chris. Thanks for having me. Thank you for coming on. I really appreciate it. Dave is out this week, and I, I, I wanted to talk White Sox with somebody. It's, it's, it's lonely in the basement uh, talking by yourself in your studio. Uh, it's just sad to sit here with a beer all by my lonesome. Hopefully you have one in front of you while we do this over the phone. I wish we just got done uh, doing doing our show here, so I wish I had one here. But I guess it's nice, you know, here in the, in Brewers country, it's nice to uh, nice to be able to talk some White Sox baseball in an official capacity here. So excited about that. You're a huge White Sox fan, and yeah. you're you're kind of transplanted away from Chicago up in Milwaukee. You're able to see a a finished rebuild in the Brewers. So we'll get into the comparisons between uh, the White Sox rebuild now and what the Brewers are experiencing now and and where they were a few years ago. But before we get into something like that, on Sunday, you saw Carlos Rodon pitch live. And I want to know your impression of that right away because I I said it on, on the last episode. I said it a few episodes before that. This guy is one of the keys to the rebuild in my mind because he's either going to be something good that is going to be a piece. I, I don't expect him to be an ace. I keep saying that your ace pitcher is going to be uh, some guy that you go and grab at the end. You're going to go spend money and bump everybody from one to two, two to three, three to four, four to five in your rotation, and you're going to have this powerful rotation. But he should be up towards the top of it is what I'm hoping. But his whip is terrible over the last few years. He can't put together a complete season. I didn't like what he looked like when he first came back, but he looked good on Sunday. What did you think? I thought he was outstanding, and it was good to see. I think that I mean I ended up going to the best game they probably played all year. I think it's what uh, what Sox fans hope would happen with Carlos Rodon pitching eight strong innings, and then you get the the six RBI guys, the big day from Moncada as well. But uh, I thought he was good because he, you know, he he had no walks the entire game. Uh, he got in a little bit of trouble in in, in the early inning where he gave up the home run uh, for Oakland to go up two nothing. Then he gave up single and double, so he's got a guy on second and third, nobody out, and he was able to pitch out of it. He gets a ground ball to third, strikeout, pop out. So that was good to see. I was I, I was with you when you talk about the whip that just the fact that his his control seemed to be there on Sunday and looked good and he was working efficiently was uh, was certainly good to see. So I was uh, I was impressed with him and happy to see him get. Uh, you could tell like all the high fives and hugs he was getting. Uh, in the uh, in the dugout when they when they finally pulled them that uh, it certainly meant a lot to him and this organization to see that going forward. Well, the thing is, is that the key is right now. I I don't know how you feel about it, but in my mind, there's only three pitchers that are starters on this team right now that have a possibility of being on this team in two years, and that's Lopez, that's Rodon, and that's and that's Covey. I'm I'm not sold on Giolito because Giolito didn't. And now, when you look at Giolito's last three years, when he pit, when he pitched against good talent for the Nationals, he had a really high whip. He comes up in September call-ups. He's pitching great last year, right at the end. But he's getting a lot of guys that were also call-ups that he's getting in the middle of lineups that he's facing. And he had the benefit of going up against some AAA talent while he was in the majors. Now he gets a full season, and he's not. He's looking like he did before the trade to the White Sox. I'm not as sold on him, and that's why. Rodon to me is just a huge piece. I mean, this is this is a guy who you're looking at and you say he has all the skills, and 
and it's the one thing the White Sox are able to do. The White Sox have shown over the years that they're at least, um, I, I would say, they're they're sufficient in trying to find pitching talent. They don't always hit, but nobody's always hitting on pitching talent. The White Sox at least can do that every once in a while. They're terrible at identifying in the draft players, but you hope that they found a pitcher here in, in this guy, and, and it was a great thing to watch on Sunday. Yeah, I, I, you hope so. And it's funny, I'm sitting there with, with a couple of my buddies who are, who are big big fans, so they know what they're, they're doing, and uh, we're talking about the, you know, the young guys and the guys that got bumped up in the minors. And, and you know who's going to be here you know next season and the season after and you know one of my one of my friends goes yeah he's like I'm really worried about about their starting pitching and I'm going man I mean you they're loaded with the trades they've made on pitching not all these guys are going to pan out Giolito might be terrible but it's fine because they've they've stocked their system with with really good promising pitchers and it, it feels like the starting pitcher is bad because the uh, on the big league level it is I mean Giolito's been terrible I mean, I like what I've seen with Ronaldo Lopez and I think everyone forgot about Carlos Rodon because he's he's been hurt and then was shaky coming back with his first three starts but then you've got you've got the great uh, the great outing on Sunday so I think I, I'm with you that I think I'm fi- they've got enough bodies in there that not all these guys are, can be busts. So they'll be they'll be fine with their rotation as when they're ready to contend. I think you know in a couple of seasons here. Let me ask you what the feeling was like in the ballpark, okay? Because the last time I got to go to a game was maybe a month ago. I went to a bunch of them early on, and I've been bogged down here, uh, and I haven't been able to get out of the house. You, you get that every once in a while, where you can't make it to a game. I'm watching a lot of them on TV, but I haven't been able to get into the ballpark. I know when I was there early in the season, it was almost like everybody was loose. The fan base, you can make a joke. You're sitting there in the stands and you're like, ah, you know, this this team, they stink, but who cares? And, you know, we're just rebuilding and everybody was accepting that. And now all of a sudden I just see all this buzz. I see online buzz. I hear it. I hear it on sports talk radio. I, I hear it. Uh, I see it on Twitter. There is so much angst for some reason now with White Sox fans. Like, it's all falling apart. The rebuild isn't working and we're in halfway through year two of it. How did it feel inside the ballpark? What, when you're sitting with fans watching the game, is there angst? Is there... Is there is there, are people complaining about it? What, what was your feeling in the crowd? Uh, it wasn't it wasn't because uh, they because they ended up coming back and playing well. It was, it was they put on a good show on Sunday. Uh, maybe a little with you know like like I said, Rodon was efficient and he, he cruised through the first few innings. And then when he gives up the home run, he gets to the bit of jam. It's kind of oh no, here we go. Now he's gonna lose his control and walk some guys. But he, like I said, he got out of that inning. Uh, people people seem to be okay with it. I think it's crazy for people to start worrying about before the All Star break in year two of a rebuild that it, that it's failing. You got to remember, as you know, Chris, some of their best players aren't even here yet. Right. Half, most of these guys don't even matter that you're watching uh, when you go to the ballpark. There, uh, there they, probably they isn't even a, there probably isn't even an outfielder on this team right now. It's on this team in two years. There's no, there, no, most likely none of the outfielders on this team right now are in the outfield in two years. And that even includes Garcia, who just came back, because without last year, what has he shown me? And until he picks it up this year, he didn't show me anything at the beginning of the year. So I right now I look at this outfield, I go, well, none of these guys will be here in two years. Then if, then if, the, if, if that's the case, if some of these guys are, then, then we got problems. We've got bigger problems than, uh, than, than what's going on right now. No, you're right. None of these, most of these guys aren't, don't factor into this thing at all. You got to remember the, their best players are still working out in the minor leagues and will be, you know, and mostly will be for the rest of this season and into next season as well. Eloy Jimenez is not coming. Everybody thinks he's coming. Like I keep reading all this stuff. Like people are like, bring up Jimenez. He's not, he's not coming. He, he might show up in September when it doesn't affect anything. When he can go back down. They're not going to, they're not going to start the clock on this guy. That would be ridiculous. No. And, and, and let him see what he's going to do at AAA. Now he just got there, you know, last week or two, or two weeks ago, wherever it was. I want to see what he's, you know, what he does there for at least a month. 
Um, let these guys develop because it doesn't. The season doesn't matter other than the development of these players. That's the thing, though. I think that I, it's crazy to me. I there are two different types of White Sox fan, and I, I don't like I don't like to criticize because you know first of all I want them all to listen to this podcast. I, I hate to I hate to tell somebody that they're wrong and they're a bad fan, and and I think that we have one of the greatest fan bases in terms of knowledgeable fans, which has been what has frustrated me lately with noticing that there are some of them that are not knowledgeable. I I mean I follow the rest of what's going on in major. League Baseball. The Toronto Blue Jays, for instance, have two guys by the name of Bo Bichette and Vlad Guerrero Jr. Now, these two guys have been projected for the last two years of being superstars when they get to the major leagues. They haven't even elevated them to AAA yet. And, and, and they, have been, they have been more highly regarded for a longer amount of time than Lewis Robert and mm-hmm. Eloy Jimenez. And they're not in a hurry to bring them up because they want to make sure that they develop. And you have example after example of when you rush a guy up, they start to have problems. Look at Lewis Brinson, who the Brewers, now you would be able to tell me about him because I used him yep. as a comparison last week. Last week I was like, you're, everybody's yelling about Yohan Mankata. Yohan Mankata, this is his first full season in the majors. If you take his numbers and put him up against Brinson right now down in Miami, Mankata looks like a star compared to him. And Brinson was rated in the top 10 of prospects at the same time that Mankata was. But uh, people like react like, oh, we're the only people that can't find a prospect. This is the only prospect that's ever had any problems. But when you saw Brinson developing, do you still think that, I mean, like, how long does it take to actually see a guy and actually figure out if he's going to be good or not? I mean, I think I think it's absolutely ridiculous that uh, you've got people saying that some of these guys are busts when they haven't finished a big league season from start to finish. You know, breaking camp at spring training, playing an entire big league season like Yohan Mankata hasn't done yet. I mean, I know he got called up last July. And he's he's got I don't know how, what I read I think I read an article that you posted on our one of our Facebook fan pages about what's he he's got five hundred or five hundred or six hundred at bats for for his career that's it you, you, you can't you, <laughs> that's, that's asinine to, to call a guy a bust after six hundred at bats just as much in, as it would be asinine to say that he was a star after six hundred at bats because you don't know if he's going to continue to no. be good. No, you don't. You don't. You don't. You got people forget how young these guys these guys are. I mean, he's a twenty he's twenty three years old. He's he's a young player. He needs he needs time. He needs time to develop. I think it, you know everyone likes the, the the Baseball America rankings and go, man, we've got we've got a lot of guys. How many how many guys in the top 100? Uh, and then uh, they expect them to be studs as soon as they uh, as soon as they get to the big leagues. Which which never show me. I mean, there's a few guys that yes, that happens, but. Show me how often it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen very often. And, no, they, need, and they need time to develop. And um, I think that this weekend, you saw a game that I think is a turning point game for the organization. I, you might look back at that game and be like, I was at the game. I was at the game where Rodon came out and started to figure it out. And it was mm-hmm. his first real good start since he came back from the injury. And I was at the game where Mancata might have started to figure it out. Because I saw a thing today where Ricky Renteria said, we talked to Yuan before that game, and we were specifically working with him mm-hmm. on what he was doing at the plate and the fact that he was taking pitches off. It almost sounded like he was taking pitches off. It almost sounded like he relies so much on his talent 
that he's not focused on every pitch. And so he gets in there and he's like, ah, this is like a throwaway pitch or I don't need to focus yet. I'm going to see what the guy has. And he's not focusing on every pitch. And they were talking to him about every pitch matters at this level. And you have to approach every pitch as just as important as the next one. You can't just sit there and daydream and, and look around or whatever and rely on your talent. And they, they showed video of them working with him specifically before Sunday's game. And then he goes out and has a monster game. And you hope that that's the, the switch. I don't know if it's the switch. I mean, that's the, these guys are human beings. Baseball, you can go out and you can go six for seven and a doubleheader, and, and then you could go hitless for a week. But I, but I, it's positive to me that they're able to say, we did this with our young player. Our young player responded like this. That shows the guy can be taught something, and, and they can, they can, they're still working with him. He's an unfinished product. Yeah, and it's a, it could be just a maturity issue. He, again, he's the, the, the guy is 23 years old and got thrown all his money because everyone fell in love with his talent, but it, it's a grind. It's a difference between a big league player and, and a guy that's, that's, stuck, that's stuck in the minors and can't get out anywhere. I think Chris, his, I mean, his swing, and maybe that will help him cut down on the strikeouts, but when you see his swing and when he connects, that swing is too, too good-looking for him to be a bust of a baseball player. So I think if he, f- he figures out the focus issues and cuts down on the strikeouts and has a better approach, I think you'll start to see uh, things turn around for him. So now you've been up in Milwaukee. You're highly successful, I would imagine, highly rated radio host, right? I mean, you've been up there for a long time. You must be doing yeah, well. Yeah, we've been uh, we've been doing this, uh, you know, four and a half, almost five years. November will be five years of our, our afternoon show, which has been a lot of fun. That's awesome. So, and yeah. so, you've yeah, also you've also watched the Brewers build. Yes. What similarities do you see between? what the White Sox are doing and where they're at now and what the Brewers have done and where they were at maybe a few years ago. What, 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 what similarities, differences do you see right now? I, I, you know, I can go back. They, the Brewers started the clock probably about a year and a half before the White Sox made the move. And, you know, in conversation, I've been wanting the White Sox to kind of do what, they're, what they've been doing for a long time because clearly the, the alternative wasn't working of just bringing in these, these middling veterans and, and, you know, and, and, then, and, then, uh, and then not succeeding in the season. So they started the clock a little bit early. Uh, they they kind of were in the same thing, where they were doing the same thing as the White Sox were and had a farm system that was in the bottom third of the league, every every ranking. Uh, they started moving some of their veteran guys. The difference was they never had they didn't have the, the assets the Sox had when you're talking about Sale and Quintana and the return that you could get for those guys. And Adam Eaton, uh, who knew he could get you a return? Who knew Adam yeah. Eaton was going to bring you that haul? Yeah, ex- exactly. No matter what, no matter what Lucas Giolito turns out to be, I mean, there's like, there's like, you know, Dane Dunning might be the best guy out of that, uh, out of that, out of that group here. But I like, I like Ronaldo Lopez, as I said uh, earlier in the show here. Um, yeah, exactly. They didn't have the, that kind of assets, uh, so they do the same thing. They started getting rid of their veterans, some popular guys that have played here for a long, a long time. You know, like Jonathan Lucroy, Carlos Gomez. They're making those trades. They get, they get the uh, their farm system stocked up, and fans here were much like like White Sox fans were at the start that were pretty pretty down with it because the alternative wasn't wasn't working. So let's let's tear the thing down and and build with young talent and draft and develop and, and, and trade some of our veterans and, and get some young players in here. Uh, the thing was they veered 
from what and they were you know they were following the Cubs and the Astros model. Uh, they kind of veered where they've their their new GM David Stearns they brought in. I think I think in the off after the 2015 season. He's a young guy out of Houston. Was there when he did. Uh, they did the rebuild there when they were suffering. There, people remember like Astros lost I think 100 games three seasons in a row before their thing started turning around. Exactly. Um, so it it takes a little bit of time. He started going uh, and just looking at at any big league players, kind of guys that uh, maybe were uh, were the odd men out in their organizations for whatever reason. You know, too many too many guys on at a particular position on the roster. Uh, so they started making some trades. I mean, they get Travis Shaw from the Red Sox, who was the odd man out at third base there. Uh, he's been pretty good for them. They plucked Eric Thames uh, from the Korean League, who was hitting bombs there for three years. And he they is kinda, he is stacked. I mean, yeah. I see that oh, guy. Yeah. I see that guy like uh, with his shirt off and like you know, like posing for something. The guy looks like he's just a beast. Have you met him in person? I I have not. I have not, dude. And he he is a monster, uh, monster. But I think you know, my point being, I think he was. They weren't looking for guys that he thought. Okay, we just we need to put a, a field of big league product for a few seasons while these young guys develop. He thought they liked they liked a lot of these guys. Thinking, okay, we can get them affordable salary, and they might be guys that we can hang on to for a few years here. Um, and you know, they, then the, then as you mentioned, you mentioned Lewis Brinson, who was their top prospect in the after they got him in the Jonathan Lucroy trade. Uh, they had the season last year where they, you know, they they had a five game lead at the All Star break. Fans here kind of always knew that the Cubs were going to come back and win that division. Uh, they missed the Brewers, missed the wild card up of the playoffs by one game. Uh, and then so last off season was kind of what what are they going to do at this point? Was last year a fluke? Are they going to stick to the plan? I was one of the guys on the air here saying, no, nah, don't. You know, don't blow up these minor league guys uh, just because you had you had an 86 win season. But they clearly felt they they were closer than what may, many people think. And then they make the Christian Yelich trade, where they trade Lewis Brinson uh, to the Marlins with a few other guys that they really liked in the minors. They signed Lorenzo Cain to the deal on the same day, and uh, you know those two guys have been have been solid players. And here they are, you know, with a two and a half game lead uh, in the division as it sits today. You see, so, I, and the thing is, I I saw I see what they did, and I think if the White Sox did that. At their, at it, like you would have fans here that would be like, that's great. Look, we got this guy and we got this guy. We're going for it. I love it. I would have been disappointed as a Brewers fan because even though mm-hmm. their window is open now, I feel like their mm-hmm. window is only open for a short amount of time instead of a much longer sustainable amount of time. If they would have just sat back and said, you know what? We had a great season. Let's build on it a little bit. But we can't beat the Astros. We can't beat the you know the Dodgers right now. They these some of these teams have teams that that are getting close to getting long in a tooth and their window is going to close. Why don't we time it for when their window closes? But someone in the Brewers sat there and said it's time to go for it right now. I mean I hope it works out for them, but I couldn't believe that they started. I mean unless they think Lewis Brinson's not going to be a good player, that that they pulled they they may have pulled the trigger a little too quick on saying okay rebuild's over let's go for it. I was shocked by what they did. I was I was surprised too because I was like I said I was one of the guys thinking not no don't do this don't don't uh, don't go all in yet because we don't really know what they have they clearly felt otherwise that it was a time it was time to make a move and, and no but I, you're right I agree with you at the point that it, it'll be interesting to see because they haven't won anything yet they haven't even gotten to the playoffs uh, playoffs with us yet they you know they blew a, a division lead last year they might they might do it again a lot of people feel like they're they're at least a starting pitcher or two away. Uh, from serious contention, so will that will that haunt them in the second half of the season? And if they get to the playoffs, what kind of chance do they have? So they haven't really they haven't really accomplished anything yet. So it's going to be interesting to see. I think they're they're much better team obviously than they were last year with with Yelich and Kane. Uh, but it's going to be interesting to see how the division plays out for them uh, in the second half here. Is it safe to say that if you're a Sox fan 
and you want to know what you're going to do in a year, that you'll be able to look back on this season and the last few seasons and say, do we want to be more like the Astros and Cubs or do we want to be like the Brewers? Is it possible the Brewers will actually show you can't pull that trigger too quick, you have to be patient, take your lumps, and really stick to your four- or five-year plan? I, I totally think that's possible. And my, my, if you had to make me guess right now, I, w- I would say that that's possible. Uh, that's, that's, that's more likely to happen than the latter because it feels, it feels very much like they jumped the gun a little too quickly. And, again, I hope it works out for them. I got no problem. You know, Brewers my, is my National League team living here in Milwaukee and Wisconsin for a while. I, I'd like to see them at least get to the playoffs and have some success. But um, I'm, still, I'm still cautious about it because they did give up a lot of guys that they, that they were high on in their minor league system to make some of these moves. I want to ask you in a little bit here about who you think is going to be on the team in two years, in 2020, that's on the team right now. We ask everybody that comes on this show, and we've given our names. It generally ranges in about five or six guys, and which is amazing. Everybody seems to fall into about the same category. Anybody that comes on the show, they come up with about five, six guys, which shows that most people understand most guys won't be around. We're going to get to that in a moment, but I did also want to ask you right now. You're back at the ballpark on Sunday. You're back there, you're hanging with your boys, you're having a good time. Isn't it still one of the best ballpark experiences? I've been to so many different parks around the major leagues. I, you know, I've been I've been to Kansas City, I've been to our West Coast ballparks, Dodger Stadium, uh, the, the Anaheim, uh, you know, where the Angels play. I don't even know what the hell they call it anymore. I, I, I've, I've been to all these different places all around the country. I still find the experience inside of the cell to be amazing. The food is great. The experience is great. And right now, it's just, it's just so much fun to just show up and you can sit wherever the hell you want to. I'm buying, I bought tickets on the 300 level last time I was there for five bucks a piece. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And no, I'm with you. And I think the sad thing is they're never going to get credit for how good that ballpark is. And they've done, I think they've done organizationally a phenomenal job in the last you know decade or so with the refurbishing the ballpark where it's great. It, it, it's beautiful. All the, you know, all the, the statues in the concourse and the bleachers are just cool. They're cool optics. They're good photos to get, uh, you know, it, it, it the ring of honor now that I know it's in the bleachers where I can see, you know, all the retired jerseys around, around the, uh, around the stadium, which I don't know. I don't know how long ago or when they put that in. I, you know, I just, I thought just it was this beautiful. year. They just did well, it this year. Was, okay. So that's why I'm convinced. I'm convinced they did it so they could put Harrelson up there. Cause he doesn't have a number. So they think could put names up if you don't have a number. And I was trying to, I, I couldn't figure out why they would do it. Cause it seems like they change it like every three, four years. Like it's on the outfield wall. Now it's along yeah, right. this. Now it's sitting up behind home plate and it's just numbers. They seem to change it every four or five years. I don't know if they do that because they want to mix it up and give you something new or if they have a reason for why they did it this way now. I, I, loved, I loved how it looks now. I think it looks sharp uh, from, you know, from where I was sitting. It looks cool. And you go, well, yeah, this, this organization has been around for you know, 116, 17 years, 1901 or however long it's been. And uh, embrace the history a little bit. I know the history hasn't been good for, for, a, for a lot of good chunk of that, but, but embrace that. And I thought they've, they've, done, they've done a good job with that again with the with the monuments, the statues, they had a guy when I went to because I took a Brewers fan buddy of mine to that Brewers series uh, on the South Side. You know, they had uh, they had a Louisville Slugger display for the weekend where you had a Trulis Joe Jackson game used bat in the case you could see and take a picture. There was a guy making you know making a bat from Louisville Slugger uh, during the game, which was cool to see. And a Frank Thomas one, a Paul Canerco used one. So I think I think they've done a great job with the aesthetics of the ballpark and just the different things you can you can check out and do as you walk around. Uh, walk around and enjoy it. And again, I don't think they'll ever get the credit for it, but uh, but they've done a great job. I think they do. I think they do a good job of stealing from other places too. 
You know what I mean? I, I yeah. really do. Yeah. I really think, like, I've been to other ballparks, and I remember I was in Kansas City all of two, three years ago. And down the down the third base line, okay, close to where the uh, the uh, um, uh, the outfield comes in, okay, right down in the corner there. But on in in the foul territory, they have a they have a brewery that sits you know above the the first level before you get to the skyboxes that does all kinds of like micro brews and everything mm-hmm. else. And I was like, man, this is really cool. The White Sox should have something like this. And they just put something like that in this year. Which is incredible. I mean, they, they, it's literally like they went to Kauffman Stadium and you're like, that's a great idea. We're doing that. And, and I don't think they get credit for the fact that they do it. They bring some of the greatest things that other stadiums have and they suck them in and they put them into their stadium. And they go, you know what? This is just a great feature of the stadium. We're going to put it here. And, and, and you know, you might hate the name Guaranteed Right Field. I hate it too. But I, I'll just, I'm just going to call it Comiskey Park like I call uh, the Willis Tower the Sears Tower. Yeah. And, well, and, and well, I'm going to move on because the ballpark's amazing. Yeah, I no, I agree with you. I agree with you. It's it's a, it's a great game experience for for you know for anybody. Whether you're bringing your family there, if you got if you got young kids, or if uh, if you're just rolling with the boys, like I was on Sunday. I mean, it's it, it's fun. I've never. I mean, I've been a White Sox fan my whole life, but I've never had a bad time there. And, I, and again, I give them credit for all the all the changes that they've made. Uh, you know, in, in in recent history, have been the right ones there, and it's it's really a great place to watch a ball game. You've watched this team. You're a lifelong White Sox fan. Which guys on this team? are on this team in two years. In 2020, the guys that are currently on the Major League roster, which one of them are still around in your mind after watching this team last year and into this first half of this year? Where, uh, where are you thinking that they're at in 2020? Like as a team? Yeah, I mean, are they, I mean, because I'm thinking, I mean, that was the, when the rebuild started, kind of that was the target year of, oh, that's that's the year three years out from now when the team's going to contend. I'm thinking more probably realistically 2021. But we well, I think so too, but I, I, think, I think that by 2020, let's say by 2020, Jimenez is up, Robert is sure. up. Okay, sure. they Absolutely. they've made they've made a move or two where they picked up free agents along the way where they're like they they're the surprise signing like the White Sox came and dumped a bunch of money on Manny Machado's lawn today and they outbid everybody because they've got the lowest payroll in the world and they gave him ten years like I mean anything can ha- I think you're going to see massive movement. In, and they may be, I would say 2020 would be the year they contend for the postseason for the first time. They may fall short, but you're going to see the beginnings of this team. And and most of those guys that are down there will at least be up there swinging. They'll at least be getting used to the major leagues. If not in their second season, they'll be at least in their full, first full season. That's what I think 2020 will look like. Yeah, I think uh, I think then I, I'm, I think it's Rodon and Lopez in the rotation. Um, I, I don't see them changing anything up the middle, no matter, no matter what happens. So it's, they, they seem to still like Tim Anderson a lot. Totally against Tim Anderson. Tim Anderson should be in the outfield, (laughs) dump a bunch of money on Manny Machado's lawn, put him at shortstop, (laughs) tell him you could play shortstop for the next 10 years because that's all you want to do. Hit a bunch of home runs. We don't care if you throw your bat every once in a while at a pitcher and Anderson, you're out in the outfield until we make you a fourth outfielder. That's what I would do with him. I, yeah, I'm, hey, man, I'm with you. I don't know if that's what they're, that's what they're going to end up doing in two. I mean, you're talking about that's a, that's a season and a half from now. It's got a, it's nothing. If we're talking opening day, 2020, um, but I, they they seem to they seem to like him. Uh, you know, Dylan Covey, you mentioned it earlier earlier in the show. I could see that. I, I won't give up on Giolito yet. So let me throw him in there in 2020. If he's not, then uh, something really went wrong with him there. But that's okay. Then they've got guys in the minors that you hope uh, that are coming up that will be. We'll be we'll be fine in that spot. Okay, and Abreu is still around, right? Or do they trade him? 
Well, is he, when's his free agency up after next year? Yeah, but here's the thing. Or, or do you, you think? Do you think? Do you think they would throw? Uh, uh, I know he says he loves staying. He loves playing here, and he'd want to stay here. But you hear that from a lot of guys. You think they would throw him enough money where he would stay and be back and, and sign and sign a three year deal or two year deal or whatever? I see Jose Abreu much in the same light that I see Paul Canerco. Uh, or I saw Paul Paul Canerco um, when you saw him where he was actually worth more and would have gotten more from the Angels, but he wanted to stay with this team. And I feel that Abreu, I I feel like the White Sox, all I read about them is that they have done such a great job building a culture that is comfortable for the Cuban players that Mm -hmm. come over and play here. And they want to stay. And I and I think that Abreu wants to play on the same field with Lewis Robert. I think he wants to play with Moncada. I think he likes where he's at. And and you know what? Here's a guy who I think is on the cusp of being an even bigger star when he doesn't need to move to be it. He is killing it right now in the all-star voting. That uh-huh. nationally people can see it. He is not getting those votes from White Sox fans. There are not enough of them at the ballpark, and I know you can vote online, but trust me, people are so apathetic right now in certain ways about this team. He is getting that. The only reason he is leading is because he is legitimately the best first baseman in the American League. You can look at the stats, and he blows everybody else out of the water at the plate, and he plays a really good defense generally. So I, I think that he can be a star. I think he can make uh, make money. Uh, on the side with promotional things, and I think he'll want to stay there. I think he'll stay, and I think they're going to have to pay him, but I don't think they're going to have to get into a bidding war. I think they're going to give him what his fair price is. Somebody else might come along and say, we'll give you an extra $10 million, and he isn't going to come back and hold them up for it. I think he'll take it. I, I, that's what I believe about him. I'd love to see him still be a part of the team. I, I don't like the idea of trading him because it's hard to find that that veteran middle of the lineup presence, that older guy that's going to be the guy for you. Because you know what you're going to end up doing. You're going to let him go, and you're going to have to go out and sign somebody else that comes in. You don't even know what that guy's like in the locker room. So I'd rather spend the money on the guy I know that I know is a good player. Yeah, if, if they're at the point we think that they will be going into that season or in that 2020 season, which we hope we hope it is, then it makes all the sense in the world to me uh, to have him. I would just love for the guy who's been here and has done who's done everything great in all the years he's played here has never seen has never seen any 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 real success and certainly no postseason success. Still be here and still be able to play with these guys uh, going forward. So yeah, I mean I'm, I'm I'd, I'd love to see him. I don't. It would just be interesting what else is out there for him and if they'll pay him what what he would want and what he deserves. Hey, listen, I appreciate you getting on the show this week. I, I really do. I mean, it's the fifth episode of this podcast and, 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 you know, the broadcast basement, the parent podcast of this thing has been around for like 200 some episodes in 10 years, but, but this one is just starting to get going. And, and, and it's really nice of you to take out the time and, 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 and fill in for Dave and, and come on this. You're welcome. Anytime. Next time, come down next time, come yeah, down. Sure. Let's next time, come down. Let's go to a game and then come, come back here after we've had about seven or eight beers in the bullpen bar and, and yeah. record a show. That uh, that sounds good. Yeah, let's do it sometime this season. I'd love to. All right. And and you know what? Everybody, if you're ever up in Milwaukee, make sure you listen to 102.9 The Hog. Uh, and if you want to go on their website, I found right away when I was looking up, I wanted to make sure I knew your partner's name and I had everything ready. I go right on the website and I got myself lost in the hottie of the day. Because <laughs> I was like, what, what is this? 
I'm like, I felt so guilty. I'm sitting on the couch, like the kids are watching cartoons, and I'm sitting in the corner of the couch, like, hottie of the day. Who was the hottie yeah. of the day yesterday? And they put, they put that right next to, I'm just on it right now, they put that right next to our show profile. It's There's right no, there. No, it wasn't no, like no I went click, searching no for it. Our show then. No, I went <laughs> looking for stuff you. on you, and I was like, okay, I want to make sure I'm ready to introduce this show. And right next to you is the hottie of the day. I yeah. imagine you doing your show with the hottie of the day standing next to you. That's how I uh, picture yeah, you. I wish- I wish that was the case, my friend. That's what I hope for you. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Porn. I appreciate it. Chris, thanks for having me on. It was a blast. Another show is wrapped up. Another show's in the books. Another show is wrapped up. And then by the looks, it's going to be a good one. And we'll see you next week. And the nude is Another show is wrapped up, another show is wrapped up, another show is wrapped up, and it's in the books. Another show is wrapped up, another show is wrapped up, and by the looks, it's gonna be a good one. Nudie's Basement, broadcast, Basement, the Nudie's Basement, the Broad Basement. Slancha. That was like Dropkick Murphys or something, right? I felt like it. <laughs> the following story is completely true. The names have not been changed because... Hi, I'm Chris Lanuti. Oh, really? You gotta read it? It's three words long. You gotta, you're like getting ready, like adjusting yourself. Join me and my friends as we belly on up to my homemade nine-foot oak bar in my basement on the south side of Chicago. I'd say expose them to as much violence and nudity as you can at an early age to prep them for life. Was it hard to climb up the ladder in your skirt? No, it's just embarrassing. Oh, okay. Each week, we talk craft beer, sports, fatherhood, and the oddities of life. Your show is so different and fascinating. Wait, this is a podcast? <laughs> I just come over here to drink. Join us for 30 minutes of good each and every week. <laughs> Welcome back to the Missing a Chromosome podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's the Broadcast Basement on Stitcher, iTunes, and BroadcastBasement.com. <laughs>